Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Cheeto Benito to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is ignoratio elenchi, also known as missing the point or irrelevant conclusion. And can I just say Cheeto Benito is brilliant. I love that. It's it's so self-explanatory, isn't it? It's fantastic. So uh, missing the point is actually a really good name for this fallacy because mm-hmm. it's a fallacy of relevance and it's where someone provides an argument or some evidence that makes a point and it can be a valid point, it mm. can be a reasonable argument that they're making, it can be true, but it's not actually the point. It's not the... It's not relevant to what's being discussed right so if they've been asked a question they're actually probably answering a different question and they may be answering that different question very well but it's not what's being asked and if they're making the point themselves or throwing back then it is it is probably not what they're supposed to be talking about or or not really relevant to what they're supposed to be talking about. in looking this up apparently aristotle said that this is the foundation of all fallacious arguments that that you're actually the intent of most fallacies when you're using them in an argument is to uh, answer and provide an answer that you want to provide that isn't necessarily the one that the questioner wants you to give. Or as we know it, politicians talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, it literally means ignorance of refutation. Mm. So basically it means not really understanding how to refute a point. Yeah. So our first example is from 2017 when he was defending white supremacists uh, after Charlottesville. And uh, he said this. I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this. There are two sides to a story. Let's pretend for a moment (laughs) that that's true. It's not. But but whether the white supremacists had a permit for their protest during which they killed someone yeah is not is not the point no <laughs> in this press conference he was being given the opportunity basically to condemn nazis yeah and and instead he focused on paperwork well so, hey, <laughs> there you go yeah so yeah. yeah even if he he was true in, in what he was saying yeah um it's it's not the important thing and he's he's missing the point by making that point as it yeah. turns out actually both sides had had, had permits, permit. but yeah. but not very fine people. No, <laughs> no. And also, the permit that they had wasn't to allow them to kill people. No, it no, was, they don't give out permits for that. Oh, don't they? Oh, I thought that was no, being a being a white policeman in a yeah. Might, <laughs> might have to edit that bit out. So Trump's been doing this uh, basically throughout. As uh, to be fair, as mm. Mark said earlier on, this is very common among politicians. So yeah. by by no means is this limited to Trump. Yeah. But um, but he is very good at it, and he's been using it throughout. He's been using it recently <laughs> to talk right. about the Mueller report, <laughs> um, which came out. The the redacted version of the report came out the day after we released our last episode. Yeah. And so Trump tweeted just a few days ago. He said. 
You mean the stock market hit an all-time record high today and they're actually talking impeachment? Will I ever be given credit for anything by the fake news media or radical liberal Dems? No collusion. <laughs> so he's <laughs> he is kind of conflating their impeachment with yeah. what a great job he's doing because the stock market is yeah. high. And not only that, <laughs> he's conflating the stock market going up with something to do with his presidency. Yeah, I mean, it's very common for the stock market to hit an all-time high because yeah. the trend in the stock market over the last 100 years or so yeah. has generally been upwards. Up. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the last, I, I, I looked this up briefly, and in the last 350 months, there's been about 170, 180 times where that month has had a record high. In oh, wow. So yeah. it, it's, it's, going it's more common yeah. than not. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah one of his typical things where he just takes the claim for uh, an ongoing trend. Yeah, know, absolutely. As he's had um, some and, and direct effect like an, on it. Almost an inevitability of the stock market. And hey, we're not in a recession. So, yeah. So it, yeah, should, yeah. it should be going up. It's, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, point is, whether the stock market's going up, whether he has anything to do with it, it is not relevant to whether yeah. he should be impeached because the impeachment that everyone's talking about is because of all the crimes that he committed, <laughs> which are laid out in the Murray yeah. Report. Yeah. And nothing, in fact, to do with whether he has created or not a great economy. Yeah. Um, so so focusing on the economy and saying this is this is ridiculous that they're talking impeachment when the stock market's high is is really missing the point yeah. <laughs> of what everyone is talking about at the moment. And it's a proper sleight of hand. It's that it's a magician's distraction technique isn't it where you just kind of go yeah look over here i'm i'm showing you this whilst i'm taking the wristwatch off your wrist and yeah it's, absolutely yeah and it's it is very close to um a couple of other fallacies right. uh, one that we talked about before which is straw man yeah where you're pretending that that the your opponent holds a, a view that's actually easier to to knock down uh, yeah um yeah. but that's not really what's happening here it's not that doesn't describe this particular fantasy yeah, because yeah. Um, it's not about creating an easier argument to, to refute. It's just it's just about slightly shifting the focus away from the main argument. Yeah. The other thing that is similar is a red herring, which we haven't mm. talked about, mm -hmm. but we will cover in more detail in another episode. But that is really more about taking the discussion off on a completely different mm. track and, yeah. and distracting from it with something something new. Yeah. So. That yeah. has its has its similarities, but it's mainly not this. It kind of puts me in mind of answering a, when you're writing an essay or something in exam conditions, and you've revised the wrong thing, and you go in and you start answering the uh, to, according to the knowledge that you have. So you know you get asked to compare Prospero's the magic in the tempest with something else and, and you and you've learned hamlet and you go in and you go ah well but the most important thing is how this <laughs> is compared with the angst in hamlet and then you just kind of go off and do that and make a perfectly reasoned and um you know self-contained uh, answer which on its own terms is absolutely fine and might be true and well thought out and well thought through 
and backed up with lots of examples, but it's it completely missed the point because it's not answering the question. So yeah, there's apart from the the well prepared and well presented part of that, um, that, there's a bit of a call forward to uh, (laughs) to to fake news this week. So we'll come back to that. Okay, right. (laughs) Ha. (laughs) And now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner. So we uh, are back in the the heady days of the um, the pre general election from 2017, where Theresa May uh, called an election uh, in in riding high in the polls, only to lose her majority and drag us through the the last bunch of horribleness, which we've had a bit of a respite from because the MPs over here have been on holiday since they uh, they got a little bit of a reprieve from Europe. So. So anyway, this is um, Theresa May doing uh, this par excellence in you know not answering the question by answering by providing an answer to a different question. Many people have said your manifesto is quite vague when it comes to how you're going to pay for your spending pledges. So let's see if we can get some clarity tonight. How are you going to pay for the extra eight billion pounds for the NHS? Andrew, when I go around the country and talk to people about what we're going to do in government. What people want to know is, are we actually going to have the strong economy that enables us to pay for the NHS and pay for uh, the public services that people want? Now, in our manifesto, we've put some examples of how we're going to change the way money is used. On winter fuel payments, for example, we will means test that. But, but that I money will go, the extra money that money for will the go NHS. into health and social Where care. Where will the extra £8 well, billion come from? Andrew, what we have done, if you look at our record is shown that we can put record sums of money into the National Health Service at the same time as we're ensuring that we're building that strong economy. Mm. And that's what we'll do for the future. Our economic credibility is not in doubt. Well, it's the Labour Party who's in the dock no, when it comes to economic credibility. No, but the ability to answer this question may be in doubt, Prime Minister. Let me try one more time. Where will the extra £8 billion from the N- for the NHS come from? So what's great in there, I love that bit when, um, when she, she taught us... She, which is what all politicians do, and Margaret Thatcher used to do it as well, which annoyed, annoys, still annoys the hell out of me. It's calling directly by his first name. And in some way that, uh, well, it, with Thatcher, it used to call upon her uh, kind of head mist, headmistress kind of persona so that you yeah. she would browbeat the the talker in, you know, rather than saying, Mr. Neil, or you know, sir, you just she just call it Andrew. You've been called into my office, and you're asking these infernal questions. Um, so, and I love that bit. In the first time round, when he asks it, she says, "I go around the country and talk to people, and what people want to know is what we're is are we going to have a strong economy that enables us to pay? No, no. What people want to know is where's the money coming from, and so he <laughs> tries that, and then she says. If you look at our records, so she also does in there a bit of an ad hominem because she says, oh, actually, it's the Labour Party who's uh, economically irresponsible. Um, we're better, and that's shorthand for doing all the all the the speaking to. We are terrifically good at the economy. Uh, Labour will just tax and spend. They will have a magic money tree from which money will just appear, and there's no um, justification for it. And so she she's not answering the question. His question wasn't, are you spending more than your predecessors, 
which seems to be what she was what she's answering saying take a look at our record um we put lots of money into the national health service again what she's doing is a trump type thing the trend for putting money into the national health service has been going up over the last 40 years in fact it's only gone down three times in the last 40 years so it it always goes up that's not a thing that the tories invented that's just what governments do because the cost of living goes up and the cost of um, running the NHS goes up. But the, the more people go in, go into the employment market, then the, the money that comes out to pay for the NHS also goes up. But there's extra money coming from and somewhere. And uh, she's trying to imply without having to provide a direct answer that they are just better at making this money happen so you need to vote for us. What's really nice is, the, um, uh, so at no point does she actually point out where the money's coming from. She's answering a perfectly reasonable question if, if, it, if, the, answer, if the question was, are you better at this than other people? She seems to be answering that question. Um but at no point does she actually answer his question. And Andrew ne- Andrew Neil is one is kind of a proper old school journalist with lots of time on his program. So he actually asked the question nine times more directly. <laughs> that you know, taking no shit, just says, "Where where's it going to come from? Where's it going to come from?" And at no point did she say. It, it just went round and round. It's brilliant. Uh, it, the tone is almost. Andrew, you should know this. We've been through this many times before. Why don't you know? The 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 onus also, is shifting. Also, you're not asking the right question. Yeah, that's kind yeah. Of what she's trying yeah. to say is, is you know, yes, you've you've asked that, but that's not what people want to hear. That's about. right. It's like yes. when Trump says, "People don't want to see my taxes." Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, <laughs> you can Jeff tell asking about his taxes. Yeah, you and you can tell that um, May is doing this because she record, you know, uh, she reverts to, no, what's really important, mm. so that's very well you're asking me that question, but what's really important, I think what's really important is that the, what the people want to know, no, uh, or the other thing she does is let, make, let me make this perfectly clear or very variations on that. And you know, as soon as she says that, if it's not poisoning the well, you know, as soon as she says that, she's going to be muddying the waters somewhat so that it becomes a little more opaque rather than absolutely clear. It's never absolutely clear when <laughs> she says that. It's absolutely clear she doesn't want to answer your question um, and she will answer the question she wants to answer. That seems to me to be the job of politicians is to... Um, at all costs, get their story across, and we've and we've dealt with that with Ed Miliband and his argumentum ad nauseum. Where you know, at yeah. all costs, he's whatever the question is, he will give the self same answer in order to ensure his message gets across to his own. Yeah, I think it's a it's an entire course at politician school, isn't it? How mm. to how to answer the question you want to answer instead yep. of the question you've been asked. Yeah, and make it sound like you've done that. You know, fill up the space where in normal circumstances there wouldn't be enough time for the journalist to, like Andrew Neil does, to just go, Well, yeah, hang on a minute, you haven't asked the question. And to, and in doing so uh, burst the the 
the pomposity and the assumption that the politician is slightly uh, above you. There seems to be this respect and um, uh, kind of too much accord paid to politicians. Um, And Andrew Neil doesn't buy that at all. He just says you haven't asked the question. He he is of the school of uh, Jeremy Paxman. The second example we're going to play here is probably the most famous version of this. Um, this was from 1997. Um, so Jeremy Paxman is another uh, tenacious bulldog, no, terrier-like uh, journalist who wants to get the answer to the questions he's asking. He, he at the time, was on a programme called Newsnight, which was a long-form um, kind of long story journalistic investigation into the stories of the day. And he is interviewing Michael Howard, who had been Home Secretary until 13 days earlier than this interview. Um, he had held a meeting with Derek Lewis, the head of the Majesty's prison service about the possible dismissal of the governor of Parkhurst prison because there had been riots and injuries and damage to the prison. Um, And he was John Marriott. So uh, Michael Howard was asked by Paxman the same question. Did you threaten to overrule Lewis if he didn't dismiss Marriott? Um, And here it is. This is the mother of all Elenches. And also... Um, the self-contained how you counter an ignoratio elenchi. You just ask the same question over and over again, not satisfied with the answer. And Paxo asks it at least 12 times. If I did not change my mind and suspend Marriott, he would have to consider overruling me. Mr Marriott... You can't both be right. Mr Marriott was not suspended. I was entitled to express my views. I was entitled to be consulted. Did you threaten to overrule I, I was not entitled to instruct Derek Lewis, and I did not instruct him. And did the you truth threaten of, to overrule the, him? The truth of the matter is that Mr Marriott was not suspended. Did you I did threaten not, to overrule him? I did not overrule Derek did Lewis. Did you threaten to overrule him? I took advice on what I could or could not did do. Did you threaten to I overrule him, Mr Howard? I scrupulously in accordance with that advice. I did not overrule Derek Lewis. Did you Lewis. threaten to overrule him? Mr Marriott him? was not suspended. Did you uh, threaten to overrule him? I have accounted for my decision to dismiss Derek Lewis Did you threaten to overrule him? detail before the House of Commons. I note you're not answering the question whether you threatened well, to the, overrule him. The, the important aspect of this, which it's very clear to bear in mind... I'm sorry, I'm going to be frightfully this. rude, but... Yes, you but can... I, I'm sorry. It's you, a quite straight put, yes or no... question and I will, I will give, you, no I will give you an Did answer. Did you threaten to overrule him? I discussed this matter with Derek Lewis. I gave him the benefit of my opinion. I gave him the benefit of my opinion in strong language. But I did not instruct him because I was not uh, entitled to instruct him. I was entitled to express my opinion, and that is what I did. With respect, that is not answering the question of whether you threatened to overrule him. It's dealing with the relevant point, which is what I was entitled to do and what I was not entitled to do. And I have dealt with this in detail before the House of Commons and before the Select Committee. With respect, you haven't asked the question whether you threatened to overrule him. Well, you see, the question is what was I entitled to do and what was I not entitled to do? I was not entitled to instruct him and I did not do that. Right. That's great, isn't it? Because so he does all of the things he says in there. What the important thing is, 
to be clear, yeah. um, what, and the question that I did, uh, what's, you know, the important question is about this, uh, all the things t- that he's desperately trying to do, rather than just say, we well, obviously did <laughs> threaten him, didn't he? Yeah. You know, so all it, rather he than say yes. He could have saved that whole thing. He could, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you're saying, well, I was entitled to express my opinion. Yeah, that's not, uh, yeah, but did you threaten him? Did you? It's just <laughs> so good. And then, and then he did, and then that bit where he says, um, I'm sorry, I'm, go- I'm just going to be rude. Can you just say yes what? or no? Yes. Yeah. Such an English word. It's going to be frightfully rude. <laughs> can, can you just, you know, I'm going to ask you the question. You're not answering the question. Ask me the question and I will give you an answer. And then he asks him the same <laughs> question and he gives the same answer. He doesn't, he doesn't answer it. It's just, and, and does the, ob- you know, the great big obfuscation by saying, uh, not only am I not answering the question, I'm, actually telling you that the question you you're <laughs> asking isn't the one you should be asking because that is asking you Questioning. for an answer I'm not ready yes exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it's just it's great and the uh, the lovely thing was when uh, Paxman left the program in 2012 they did a kind of greatest hits montage with an update it was a bit like a walk and wise show with a with an update and there was a little bit where uh, michael howard came back into the studio <laughs> like however many years later 15 years later and uh, paxman just said did you <laughs> <laughs> to which he gave no answer of course <laughs> Getting longer and longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm st- going to be releasing an album. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Well, it did occur to me to because uh, when we got into that at the eighties uh, thing, um, which suits my voice quite nicely, <laughs> the, uh, that I thought, oh yeah, we could put one out. But that one, I just kind of, it's a strange song because the chorus is l- led into by. A whole bunch of really nice lines on, so I'm starting to write lyrics for the verse now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, the uh, the proper Tears for Fear version. Never mind your bloody Gary Jules, the proper one. <laughs> yeah. In the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective, and uh, this week's first example is from The Simpsons. Yeah, when Lisa asks Marge this. Mom, what? What? Why am I still rotting away in the second grade instead of being skipped ahead? I don't know. I guess that's a school's decision to make. Well, did you ever talk to anyone at the school? Make a few calls on my behalf? Maybe you could have been nicer to Principal Skinner, if you know what I mean. Lisa! I am nice. <laughs> well, there's a bit of cherry picking going on as well, wasn't there? <laughs> out, of, out of all those things, which bit can I actually uh, answer truthfully? Yeah. 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 So yeah, which that that's the point is which, which is the point of what Lisa is trying to say. She, yeah. The question that she's asking is why haven't you done more to get me 
advanced to to the next grade yeah and the answer that marge gives is is to the, to the one section there yeah. where she's implying she's not nice enough to the to the principal so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, this that kind a, of it's maybe a fair it's a fair answer it's a valid yeah. Point, <laughs> yeah. Um, well it, it kind of doesn't not, even answer the uh the nicer to principal skinner which is, which <laughs> which she does with air quotes you know, it's not it doesn't even answer that does it? It just you just kind of gone rapid kind of you know roller decks, you know, fingering through the 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 leaves of all the argument, and then going pulls one out and goes, "I am nice." Yeah, that's it. yeah. That's, that's all she can say. I mean, you can't disagree with that because she is. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like when when someone's called you know fat, old, and ugly, and the person says, oh, "I don't think you're old." <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um example number two in this section is uh kind of slightly political i suppose uh yeah. because it comes from a tweet that i answered yay uh basically charlie kirk who is in charge of turning point usa very big trump supporter yeah and lies constantly <laughs> on twitter yeah um he he tweeted fact co2 emissions just hit a 67 year low in us as rest of the world rises Clean burning natural gas and domestic energy exploration has resulted in everything the environmentalists pretend to care about. Thank you, real Donald Trump. So I pointed out, because um, I, I like to, to troll Charlie Kirk every now yeah. and he, he never pays any attention to anything I say, but his followers sometimes do. So, okay. <laughs> so it's sometimes fun. And uh, I pointed out that he should really look up what the word fact means because CO2 emissions didn't just hit a 67-year low. That was in 2017, mm -hmm. before Trump's energy policies had had any time to take effect. Mm -hmm. But they rose again in 2018 to a higher level mm -hmm. than they were under Obama. Uh -huh. So that was replied to by one of Charlie Kirk's followers. And the right. reply was... Um, this is from someone called Woke Folk. Right. And he said, the earth is approximately 4.5 billion years old. I don't think it cares which administration is in office. <laughs> <laughs> and that is fair. Yeah. That is, that is that a is, valid point. It, it isn't anything to do with what we were talking about. No, absolutely not. <laughs> because we were talking about CO2 emissions. Yeah. And and the danger that they pose by implication, we didn't actually get into that, but the implication was that CO higher CO two levels are bad. Yeah, um, they're not bad for the Earth. The Earth has been around for four point five billion years ish. Yeah. It, it doesn't care who's in office. It doesn't care how high the CO two levels are. No. Humans do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we won't survive. <laughs> yeah, the Earth will keep going. Yeah. Because there was a time, there was a time when there was nothing but CO two, and there was a oh, life yeah. form I came across in Australia uh, called stromatolites that actually effectively poisoned the atmosphere by turning CO two into oxygen. So they yeah. filled the you know for the first two billion years of life, the atmosphere was carbon dioxide, and then they filled oh, yeah. it with there, oxygen. There, are, there were times in in prehistory when the CO two level was was like 10 times higher mm. than it is now yeah um and there was still life there was there was different life it wasn't yeah. human life yeah but there was um a lot of life and it was life jim but not as we know it <laughs> and arguments i got into with other followers about on this topic yeah um went off on that tangent and and what those people were missing is the fact that that co2 isn't the only thing that controls climate yeah. it's yeah. a factor it's an important factor but there were other things that were different back then we're talking yeah. about millions of years ago 
Yeah, pre pre Trump. Yeah, yeah, and and the the fact that there was like during even the Cambrian explosion and, and periods where there was enormous amounts of of life going on, mm-hmm. there were very very high levels of CO two, but there were other factors in the atmosphere and and the the activity of the sun and stuff like that that meant that the temperatures weren't that much higher than they are now. They yeah. were higher, yeah, and that meant that the sea levels were higher, which again didn't affect the dinosaurs and, and yeah. the life yeah. that was around at the time, but would definitely affect people living in Miami. Yeah. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's not a, a time that, that we want to go back to. It's, mm. not, it's not what we want for now, but it was fine then. And yeah. it didn't mean that, that all life on earth was wiped out, but conditions were different then. Though ironically and, uh, or coincidentally, yeah. a lot of the people that live in Miami are dinosaurs. True. Mm. So the last example mm. um, uh, is is about uh, a quite a common thing that is done in law programs, in court programs, uh, in, on TV and in films. Yeah. I don't suspect this is really done in real life courtrooms, but it <laughs> right. is when lawyers describe how bad the effects of the the crime was, rather than pointing out evidence that shows that the person accused of the crime actually did it right yeah um and it's it's a it's an argument from emotion it it tells the jury that they should care about the victim or should care about what happened to the victim but it it is missing the point it is irrelevant to whether the person who is accused of the crime actually committed the crime yeah there is a great example in a wonderful film called judgment at nuremberg Mm -hmm. uh, a 60s film by stanley kramer with a great cast uh, Spencer Tracy and Richard Woodmark and um, just loads loads of great people. Anyway, uh, it's I, I'm not going to play a clip from it because the, the, the relevant scene is about kind of five or six minutes long. Right. The film is about the trial of some judges who were accused of kind of supporting the, the Holocaust and the, right. and the, the uh, Hitler's administration, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's based on a real court case. One of the witnesses shows film of the camps, the concentration camps when they were liberated and the, the, the bodies that were bulldozed into pits and things like that. Yeah. And it's very emotional. It shows all of the horrors of what happened. And it has absolutely nothing to do with whether these particular judges did anything that was illegal. Yeah. It attempts to close the gap by making you do the work um, or, or making you not, see the need to ask that question okay this is all very well and it's horrific and awful and we we know this stuff happened because it it was filmed we we've seen it and we we appreciate that it's ghastly and awful and the people who perpetrated it should be brought to justice but where is the causal connection if you like, between what you're showing us and these people here who are standing accused of it, you haven't shown us the the direct link. And and in a way, in the other uh, of the earlier political examples, a similar thing is being done by both Trump and Theresa May, in that they are giving you the bare bones. They're appealing to you as though you are a convert to their ideas by just going well certainly Theresa May does it when she says well you know from our records that we are very good with the economy it's Labour who are uh, shirking their responsibilities and you ought to be asking this question of 
and she is implying that you should just go, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm not going to question anything else that you say. Um, but in, in this case, Andrew Neal doesn't. He says, well, yeah, but you still haven't answered the question. So in judgment at Nuremberg, we get to see this awful stuff. And yet the uh, the prosecution doesn't make the link to, to say, and these people were directly involved in this because here is the evidence of them being employed to do it. Yeah, I mean, they're judges, so they were they were yeah making judgments that that enabled it to happen um yeah but and and um, to be fair to them they definitely do make those arguments at yeah. other points in the film yeah um but but in but this particular witness and this particular uh footage that is shot that is shown yeah is very emotional and has an effect on the the people making the decision in the case but but doesn't actually go to whether the people are guilty or not and it, and also because it it's as part of the film, because you don't just see it projected on the wall, you actually it becomes diegetic as you know from being non diegetic. Um, you get to witness this stuff all over again in yeah. in 1961, and, so we barely 20 years real footage, on. yeah, as well. It was quite dramatic and, and mm. controversial at the time, but but yeah, they used they used actual footage of. Really, yeah, so there's something the, the something about the alerting the you know woking those folk, uh, alerting that generation, the post-war generation, um, to the fact that this went on, and you know people need to be brought to book for it, which you know was going on at the time. Um, yeah, so yeah. highly recommend the film. It should mm. be on school syllabuses to watch, in my opinion. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yeah, actually, before we go on, I think the, the, the important thing to note is that I, <laughs> I won this many times in a row. That's, that's what we should I think- be focusing on. Yeah, I think it's two in a row at the moment, isn't it? It's, it's, is yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a. Uh, if you look at the record of my performance, there have been <laughs> several times when I've got two or three, one after the other, and that's the important thing. Let me make this perfectly yeah. clear. <laughs> so the theme this week yep. is a certain lack of preparation. From okay, Trump right on. It's not always preparation. Sometimes it's just he's asked a question that he he doesn't really have an answer yeah. to. And so he just blusters <laughs> right. and panics. Just spills the space. So uh, statement number one, and this is in response to being asked, what does Easter mean to you? Okay. He said, well, it really means something very special. I'm going to church in an hour from now and it's going to be, it's a beautiful church. I'm in Florida and it's just a very special time for me. And it really represents family and get together and, and something, you know, <laughs> if you're a Christian, it's just a very important day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Okay. No mention of bunnies and uh, chocolate there. Right. Yeah. Or, or Jesus. Or, <laughs> or <you know>. anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two. He was asked, could you specify the ways you discussed to advance denuclearization with Chairman Kim? Mm-hmm. And he said, 
We discussed many ways, and the denuclearization is a very important, it's a very important word, become a very well-used word, and a lot of people don't know what it means, but to me it's pretty obvious. We have to get rid of the nukes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's actually uh, uh, an Elenchi Ignoratio as well, isn't it? <laughs> kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah. He's answering the question, do you know what denuclearization <laughs> means? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Not, so, can you specify the ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and number three, he was asked, do you plan to withdraw ground troops from Syria? Yeah. And he said, the thing with Syria, we've done an incredible job. We've totally or almost totally put a control on ISIS. We have to make sure we don't have the same problems we had in other parts of the Middle East. People maybe didn't know or didn't try to stop it, but I think nobody could have done what we've done. Okay. I think everybody could have done what what he's done, which is escalate matters. Uh, okay. Quite like that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, other... <laughs> It's a beautiful church. I'm in Florida. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's a very special time for me. And for, for most Christians, you know, it's, it's a very important day. Okay, Deacon right. You see, I take one look at him and I think, oh, blimey, that's really awful. He can't possibly have said that. Jim must have written that one. And then I can hear him saying it. <laughs> and... And getting away with it and nobody holding him to account. Uh, okay. Having said that, oh, okay. I'm going to plump for. I think he. I think number two is the one you made up. Okay. Much as I love it. And I would love him okay. to have said it. <laughs> yeah. So you think number one is real? I do. And uh, number one yeah. is real. Oh, my he God. He said that this week. What does Easter mean to you? What's the Trump family Easter tradition? No, Well, it really shit. means something very special. I'm going to church in uh, an hour from now, and it's going to be uh, it's a beautiful church. I'm in Florida. And it's just a very special time for me, and it really represents family and get-together and, and something. You know, if you're a, a Christian, it's just a very important day. <laughs> Something, something, you know, if you're a, a, a Christian. <laughs> it really represents family and get together. Oh, shit, no, that's uh, that's Thanksgiving, isn't it? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, this is, yeah. And then he's, and then did you see him on the balcony with Melania and the rabbit? And the and, rabbit, yeah. And oh, there's something kind Talking of... Talking about military depleted. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's something the very Donny Darko who, in there. Who were there for the Easter egg roll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So good. So good. Uh, okay. So yeah. you think uh, number three is real? I think, I, did, I think nobody could have done what we've done. That one, yeah, I think that's real. And number three yeah. is... Yeah. Fake news. Oh, wow. Well done. Nice. That is great because it's like it's got the right mix of reality and complete vagueness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. excellent. I love that. Maybe people, <laughs> maybe people, people maybe didn't know or didn't try to stop it. I think nobody could have done what we've done. It's just such a brilliantly Trump phrase we it contains no substance whatsoever 
but sounds yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> There's an answer that, that contained absolutely no, no information. Yeah, but sounds, pre- well, <laughs> in this stern age, we're looking at that kind of stuff and so I can't believe I'm saying it. It sounds presidential. <laughs> no, it sounds like Trump. Oh, wow. Oh, so, my God. So, so that, that means, means that number two is real. No is way. Real. No. And could you elaborate on the options and the various ways that you discussed with Chairman Kim to advance denuclearization? Could you specify? Uh, We discussed many ways, and uh, the denuclearization is a very important, it's a very important word, become a very well-used word. And a lot of people don't know what it means, but to me it's pretty obvious we have to get rid of the nukes. What the hell? No, that's a real, I mean, it's a brilliant question, isn't it? You you said yeah. you brought world peace, you know, in North Korea, not just shaking hands with, the, you know, your. It's like he's prospecting to join the Hell's Angels, so he's hanging about with <laughs> other Hell's Angels, dictators. Yeah, yeah, with the other dictators. You know, he's kind of he's wearing the colours, you know, and all that stuff. But they're they're just gonna. They're, he's not going to be allowed to join. And and so all he's got is prospect written over his left nipple, and he goes around, hangs around, and then people say, "Okay, so you're you've come over here, you're going to talk with the North Korean uh, leader, dictator, president, um, honorary son, number one son, in and then you maintain you've brought about the kind of peace um, guarantee that nobody's been able to broker for years and years and years." Be specific about what you said to him, because we know from the satellite pictures, no denuclearization is going on. And instead of going, yeah, well, we did this, we did that, we laid it out, it's going to be this kind of a timetable, this is how we're going to monitor it, this is how we're going to make sure that they are complying. He just just says a lot of people don't know what denuclearization means. (laughs) Yeah, we do. A lot of people don't know what it means. Yeah. 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 Like that's the question that was asked. Yeah, we do. We do know what it means. Well, I do. It's pretty obvious. We're going to get, no, really? Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Thanks for going all the way over to North Korea and shaking hands with Rocket Man. And uh, what? No way. There's, see, sometimes it's winning is no brings no joy when you know that those things are true and out there. You know, I wish you'd written all of them and that they were none of them real. Uh, oh my god! Oh dear. So unfortunately, that does mean that you lost this week. Yeah, uh, which brings. I mean, I'm near your- a pie. Uh, well, nearer. Yeah, but, um, yeah. eight uh, over twenty-three. Well, one over not, pie it was. Seven, yeah, seven over twenty-two. Yeah, but eight, yes, eight uh, over twenty-three. Eight twenty-three no. now. Yeah, uh, which is thirty-five uh, percent. So you're still above chance. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, um, but you had you had an opportunity there to get almost forty percent, and uh, oh man, well you blew it. Frankly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the most important <laughs> thing to focus on is is the fact that you wrote a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> so podcast listeners i need your help to full mark if you think you can make up a convincing fake trump quote then I'll share this episode on twitter include your quote and the hashtag fallacious trump i'll pick the best one and you'll be podcast famous hi i'm mike from the genuine chit chat podcast where we have honest conversations with interesting people 
I speak to a wide variety of guests, including CEOs of businesses, psychologists, authors, musicians, travellers, people suffering with physical and mental illnesses, and everyone in between. Where we speak about a large variety of topics, including music and movies and pop culture, but also some more controversial topics, including drug reform, political correctness, and many more. No subject is off limits. You can find us on all the usual podcast places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And you can follow us on all the usual social media places. And to be clear, I don't expect everyone listening to enjoy every episode of my show. What I do think is that due to the wide variety of guests and topics, that there'll be at least one episode that each person listening will enjoy. So if you still appreciate the art of conversation and want to hear honest conversations with interesting people, then be sure to check out Genuine Chit Chat in all the usual places. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called The Mueller Report is Not a Logical Fallacy. But as we suspected, Bill Barr's summary was a really good example of cherry picking. <laughs> it so was. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a uh, great thing. Yeah. Back in episode 22, yep. um, we talked about cherry picking fallacy and we talked about Bill Barr's summary of the Mueller Report, yep. uh, which at the time we suspected didn't tell the whole story. Yeah, because um, how many pages is the Mueller report? 448. Yeah, how long was Barr's? Two? About three and a half pages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and lots um, of that were, you know, thanks to the publisher. Yeah, I'd like to thank yeah. my mum, the spell checker. Yeah. yeah. And as we noted, Microsoft it, it Word, contained yeah. a few quotes that were, in fact, it didn't contain a single full sentence no. quote. It contained no. three quotes from the Mueller report, and each one was a partial quote, yeah. part of a sentence. And, w- and when the report so, came out, was that the first <laughs> thing that you did? So, I mean, as soon as it came oh, out, yeah. I downloaded yeah, yeah, it yeah. and then, and then uh-huh. looked at the, uh, even in the table of contents, the whole, the warm, the harm stuff, the harm to ongoing matter. Harm to ongoing things. matters, So yeah. there is stuff that's redacted because there's stuff that's live. It's, and I suspect it's not, you know, uh, well, I, uh, yeah. presidential policy being enacted, but more <laughs> investigations upon the criminal man sitting in the Oval Office. You know, those are those are the ongoing matters. Well, yeah, and first of all, I watched Bill Barr's um, press conference. Yeah, in which he came out and and kind of set up the the report before anyone had seen it, which is basically like taking your report card home and saying. Okay, before you read this, yeah, yeah, there's just a few things I want to say because <laughs> you totally, if you're expecting straight A's, that's totally what you do. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. a in a very in a very I just need to put this in context <laughs> in a very ignorantio elenchi kind of way. Going, I'm really um, uh, well. Here's what's important for you to get yeah, out of this. I'm really <laughs> smart. I have my my shoes are polished. You know, I go to gym class every time we have gym class. I do that. I, I cheer for the right team, everything, you know, and I eat all my lunch. So, you know, you know how good a student yeah. I am. So bearing all of that in mind. Yeah. Now I'll read the report. So, yeah. So, yeah, I watched the uh, the press conference and, and I downloaded the report and the the Justice Department had had scanned, I presume, or they, it was images, basically. It yeah. was not searchable text. Yeah. So that was the version that they released. Yeah. I, I don't know why it can't possibly have been given to them by Mueller as, as like PDFs. paper. Right. Report. Okay. Yeah. 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 
I'm, yeah. they must, he must have given them an electron, electronic version and they just must have made it a, an image-based PDF to yeah. make it hard for people to find the bits. To, to unredact so some, the redacted bits. Right. Yeah, oh, okay, right. right yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then some, some very helpful sources created a searchable version of the PDF. And yeah, at that point, first thing I did was go to the, 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 the quotes the, the, that we yeah. talked about. I think we probably weren't so. the only people to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I know, and it's just so uh, revelatory, isn't it? We we just knew. Well, it's, it's a lot. It's, I mean, we said we said it would be irresponsible to speculate on how bad the next, the other parts of the sentence might be. Yeah. But to be honest, it was a lot, a lot worse <laughs> than I thought. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. all right, let's get to it. The first quote that, that Barr quoted, what he said, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. And that was the end of a sentence. Yeah. The actual sentence is a little bit more detailed and it starts... Although the investigation established that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and work to secure that outcome, and that the campaign expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts, the investigation did not establish that members of the mm-hmm. Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. So <laughs> yeah. so what it's saying is, is although we don't have evidence that, that particular members of the Trump campaign specifically talked to people in the Russian government and had a quid pro quo relationship with them. There was a perception going on and an expectation going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We did establish that the Russians definitely helped them Yeah, and that the campaign knew about it and expected the help. Yeah. That's pretty bad. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty... That's. I don't know why that's any different from how. Do, how. Where is the nuance well, that makes Mueller, that not the thing conspiracy? Is, the thing is, all of this stuff that Trump is saying about how Mueller um, is out to get him, and all, about how this report was written by thirteen mm. angry Democrats, or mm-hmm. seventeen angry Democrats, or eighteen angry Democrats, depending on which day he says it, um, <laughs> yeah. is actually when you look at it, Mueller and his team set a, a very high bar yeah. for finding a, a problem with yeah. what Trump did or or classifying what Trump did and his team did as as um not collusion because as they say in yeah. the report collusion isn't a legal term yeah um but coordination or consp- uh, conspiracy and they said that basically they thought that needed more than two or more people benefiting from mm-hmm. responding to each other's actions right and that was what they found was yeah. that happening. Yeah. But that didn't for them rise to the level of criminal co- uh, conspiracy or, or coordination. But what, but they did find that the Russians helped get Trump elected. Yeah. And that the, and that basically in many cases, although they at times shied away from contact with the Russians in, in many cases, they welcomed it. Yeah. So and and in in the expectation that they would benefit from it yeah absolutely <clears throat> yeah which was and, and that and was established it wasn't just on. yeah that wasn't just kind of they the investigation established that wow so mm-hmm. the second okay. uh, yeah. sentence <laughs> that mark yeah. quoted which which at the time we thought was not actually that 
great for Trump. Exactly. Which was, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he said, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate, exonerate him. Yeah. This was what Trump said was total exoneration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, actually, there's only one more word in that sentence. It's, it should start with accordingly. Yeah. While this report and so on. Obviously, that doesn't make sense out of context. And that's why no. they took the accordingly out. Yeah. So if you put it in some context and include the, the previous couple of sentences... Muller is, is laying out a list mm-hmm. of things, uh, talking about obstruction of justice. This is in volume two of the report, page two, where they're talking about uh, obstruction of justice. Yep. It says, fourth, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Mm-hmm. That's really so, bad, isn't it? <laughs> Muller is specifically saying, we looked into it, we tried to to be able to say he didn't commit a crime. Yeah. If we were confident he didn't commit a crime, we would say that he didn't commit a crime. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that, that they're talking about in terms of being unable to reach a judgment, um, in the bar summary, Barr talks about how he and Rosenstein didn't take into account the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion uh, and the Justice Department's kind of general practice that you can't indict a sitting president. Yeah. Muller specifically says that they did take that into account. He, the Muller and his team did in making their... Um, their non-traditional prosecutorial decision, d- mm. decisions, which were ultimately deciding not to indict him, yeah. was that they said that the reason they didn't do that, or part of the reason they didn't do that, was the OLC decision. So so that's part of the difficult issues mm. that they're talking about um, in, in preventing them from conclusively determining that, that a crime no, occurred, yeah, or that, yeah. that, that he can be indicted, or that yeah. no criminal conduct occurred. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's pretty bad too. It, and it and the thing is that it's saying you know they've tried as hard they they tried thoroughly thorough investigation of the facts. If we had confidence that after this thorough investigation of the facts, he did not commit, that's the whole thing. That what is it coming to? We I think we said it before. What does it come to when you've got to? find it really hard that he didn't commit something you know normally you want it the other way around you kind of go well it was we 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 found it really hard to find that that he he did you know rather than the other way around the the, it's kind of the the implication of that is part of the difficulty is there's so much stuff we found it was really hard you know constitutionally we couldn't prosecute him for this stuff because it was it was you know the if you read it the other way around it's so bloody obvious that he's committed stuff that you know we we couldn't establish that he with yeah, and, and he did not. Muller in the report does lay out in great detail ten instances mm. of of potential obstruction of justice, and he lays out the 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 idea that actually this is for Congress to deal with because yep. of the fact that he's the president, and yep. and that's dealt with in this next one actually because the 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 final uh, quote from the bar summary was um, that the investigation 
Quote, did not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to a Russian election interference. Now, this is big for Barr because Barr was saying that um, they, since there wasn't an underlying crime, there couldn't really be obstruction of justice. Yeah. Because there was no there was no crime to obstruct the investigation of. That, as I said a couple of weeks ago, is is an unusual reading of the mm-hmm. law. And, <laughs> and it's certainly not Muller's reading. Yeah. And this is a more... This is a longer quote because I want to really put this in context. It's yeah. not fair yeah. to, to just read the sentence that includes this quote. So this is again from volume two about obstruction of justice. And it says, several features of the conduct we investigated distinguish it from typical obstruction of justice cases. First, the investigation concerned the president and some of his actions, such as firing the FBI director, involved facially lawful acts within his Article 2 authority, which raises constitutional issues discussed below. At the same time, the president's position as the head of the executive branch provided him with unique and powerful means of influencing official proceedings, subordinate officers, and potential witnesses, all of which is relevant to a potential obstruction of justice analysis. Mm Second, unlike cases in which a subject engages in obstruction of justice to cover up a crime, the evidence we obtained, and here's the quote, Mm -hmm. did not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to Russian election interference. Although the obstruction statutes do not require proof of such a crime, the absence of that evidence affects the analysis of the president's intent and requires consideration of other possible motives for his conduct. Mm. So Barr very strongly implied in his letter that Mueller was saying that um, the the lack of an underlying crime meant that uh, the intent question of whether Trump deliberately um, obstructed justice or, or with corrupt intent yeah. was affected by that. Yeah. And Mueller is saying it is affected by that in as much as you need to look at whether there were other motives yeah. other than covering up a covering crime. Up a crime. Yeah. It doesn't remove the, the obstruction of justice. It yeah. just is saying the obstruction of justice in this case wasn't about covering up a crime. Yeah. It was, it was, it distinguished it from typical obstruction of justice cases. Yeah. Typical, Specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what he talks about in the report in, in a lot more detail is, is about how, it may have been covering up things that the president might have thought would be crimes yep. or or things that would just look bad for him politically. Mm. And that's absolutely what happened with Clinton. Yeah. Was when when he was trying to cover up his affair, basically, and that was what they were trying to impeach him for. Um, that wasn't criminal activity. That was just something that would be politically bad for him. And yeah. so he wanted it not to come out. Yeah. That doesn't prevent him being impeached. <laughs> Quite. Yeah, and the question yeah. of whether he should be impeached uh, is another question which is being debated by presidential candidates and by by everyone involved really, yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we shall see what the outcome of that is. Um, yep. I kind of come down on the side of, even though it may potentially be politically... I, d- I don't really honestly think it is going to be politically bad for the Democrats to to instigate invest, uh, impeachment proceedings. Yeah. Um, but even if it was, I kind of think there's a moral imperative to do it because mm. there's such a lot of evidence that he did things which were either illegal. I yeah. think there's a lot of evidence for that. Yeah. Or at the very least unethical, immoral and not 
the kinds of things that, that you, you would want the president you, will do. Yeah, I mean, and and just the even if it was just even if the obstruction of justice was purely about preventing Mueller from investigating wielding the executive power in a way that it ought not to be wielded conjures up memories of Richard Nixon, who did just that. Um, and that was what did him did for him. You know, even if there's no crime that Mueller discovered, the fact they did discover he was in a position to bring about lots of obstructive activities, which he ought not to yeah. have been doing. And yeah, so there's that. That's the there's the. If they don't do it, if they don't go through with the impeachment proceedings, then it sets a precedent. It says that the behaviour that Trump has, you know, exhibited and uh, been bragging about, getting away with, then becomes acceptable for future presidents it then becomes i think yeah i think the that's norm for the republicans danger. yeah i think there's an argument that um impeachment proceedings take a long time it's very complicated and and it will be a big thing um and there is a there is the argument that he will get voted out in 2020 and once he leaves office he can be indicted criminally mm. um and that would be a deterrent for yeah. future presidents acting in the same way. But yes, I do think there is a, uh, an argument as well that if you do not impeach, if mm. you do not take this very, very seriously, that he will continue to do the same thing and worse. Mm. And mm. future presidents will think, well, you know, obviously I can get away with just about anything now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really not what you want. Yeah. Cause it, in, in a way, what Mueller is saying is don't forget the rule book. The, you know, this yeah. is the rule book, and Trump is tearing it up um, because he can, because he's hiding behind the fact that you can't impeach me because I'm, a, you know, you can't indict me. I'm a sitting president. You can't, you know. Then we need to change the rules. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of lawyers who disagree that you can't indict a sitting, mm. sitting president, and and would be prepared to challenge that ruling. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. Miller seems seems to accept that. Um, but he does lay out in in some detail the the idea that mm. actually what is needed is a constitutional solution, yeah. which is yeah. basically impeachment proceedings. Because I think I think he was quite he was quite clever in taking note of and you know being regarding of the current status quo. He's not kind of kind of he's being treading carefully, so he can't be seen to be riding roughshod over. What's acceptable current practice? You know, vis-a-vis, you can't induct yeah. a sitting president. He's saying, notwithstanding he's been, that, he's been extremely cautious, mm. um, and in fact, to the point where um, some people are asking, you know, if he saw things which he thought were crimes that he would indict anyone who wasn't the president for, why didn't he say that? Mm. And he addresses that directly. He basically, in in saying, you know. Here's why I'm not saying he definitely committed a crime. Mm -hmm. He's saying that that it's important in terms of fairness because the the um, the legal process of going to trial, yeah, not only gives the prosecutors an opportunity to make their case and and prosecute people who are guilty, but it gives innocent people 
uh, a chance to clear their name and to, yeah. to, uh, to answer their case in court. Yeah. And in this kind of scenario where you're not indicting him, it would be unfair to say he committed these crimes mm. because it doesn't give him an opportunity because he's not going to be indicted to, to clear his name. Yeah. To, to, you know, it's not and, and he's obviously, and he's yeah, <laughs> but, but he's avoiding being uh, Muller's avoiding being accused of being judge and jury um, yeah. by being very cautious in that respect and and respecting the the rule of law. He's saying I'm 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 an investigator. I'm not a lawyer being employed to indict, stroke, impeach, prosecute. I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is setting out the the case from which. Prosecutors can take, um, you know, in in the UK, then yeah. that the the Crown Prosecution Service would look at the evidence and go, right, there is enough here to bring a, a case against the person being reported on. You know, yeah, that's now, what would happen. We've been talking about this for a while. We've talked about the 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 bar. Uh, summary quotes there's there's other stuff i want to talk about but i think we're going to have to draw it to a close here but i think Mm -hmm. this week's patron subscribers will probably get a a more extended episode than usual (laughs) yeah because there's a few more things we want to talk about so so if you're not already uh, a patron you can go to patreon.com slash f trump and the um the extended version of this episode will have a little bit more from the murder report And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Republican Congressman Duncan Hunter posted a video to Facebook and Twitter last week showing how easy it is to cross the Mexican border into Arizona. In the video, Hunter stepped over a waist-high fence, saying, This is what we expect to stop people. Transnational terrorists, families, all illegal aliens from coming over the border. This is it. But it wasn't. (laughs) What he crossed was a vehicle barrier located in the US, about 100 feet from the actual border. But he did have a good reason for faking it. If Hunter's name sounds familiar, it might be because in episode seven, we talked about his indictment for using a quarter of a million dollars of campaign funds for personal purchases and then blaming it all on his wife. So if he had, in fact, stepped into Mexico to make the video, he would have been in violation of his bail. (laughs) Okay, so you know that thing we had a problem with when Bush and Blair interfered in a foreign power on foreign soil and they were strongly advised that it was illegal to do so by lots of professionals. What are they called? Oh, yeah, lawyers. Well, Trump's actual attorney at law, Rudy, just hold the line a minute whilst I cover my ass, Giuliani, on CNN's State of the Union, said there's nothing wrong with taking information from Russians. I think he understandably confusing asking for directions on the St. Petersburg Metro with, say, treason. And when asked if he would have taken information from a foreign source, he said, I probably wouldn't, adding, I wasn't asked. And I would have advised, just out of excessive caution, don't do it. Mm, Much to unpack there, but mostly the complete absence of objectivity around the rule of law, which we'd take up with him if we weren't being deafened by the sound of him metaphorically running in the opposite direction away from Trump. Former Minnesota Congresswoman Michelle Bachman has described Trump as highly biblical, adding, we will in all likelihood never see a more godly biblical president again in our lifetime. I actually agree. Assuming, of course, that she's talking about Old Testament God, who Richard Dawkins once described as arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, petty, 
unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynist, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. I think filicidal is probably going a bit far, but the rest is surprisingly apropos. Isn't it? Good old Smokey the Bear and Thunderbird 2 pilot Donald Lutrumpf graced, sorry, bludgeoned his way onto the international stage with his forest conflagration raking wisdom when he advised dropping tonnes of water from a great height to extinguish the burning Notre Dame. Parisian firefighters were red-faced when they realised it turns out that the cathedral is on a lone hill by an airstrip miles from people, tall buildings or electrically powered metropolises and made of a solid lump of metal. So that would work perfectly, rather than what they had thought for longer than America had actually existed, that it is actually an ancient, mostly delicately filigreed limestone, latticed wood and fragile, multifaceted glass structure filled with irreplaceable textile and paper-based artefacts two feet from the river. This week, Trump said this to reporters. I have been the most transparent president and administration in the history of our country by far. (laughs) Meanwhile... In literally the same exchange, he announced he would be fighting all the subpoenas coming from House committees. Just this week, the White House has refused to allow evil Pee Wee Herman Stephen Miller to testify about immigration policies and instructed Carl Klein, John Gore and Don McGahn to ignore subpoenas to testify about security clearances, citizenship questions and the Mueller report, respectively. Steve Mnuchin is refusing to release Trump's tax return to the Ways and Means Committee, and Trump is suing his own accountants to prevent the House Oversight Committee seeing his financial documents. To be fair, the motivation behind this is all pretty transparent. There you go. Humanitarian Nobel Prize winner in waiting, surely, former Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen apparently had been making it a priority for the White House to take more serious steps to prepare for further interference from Russia in the 2020 election. Whilst this may be a I did try to do some good things but was thwarted report that we warned against last episode, it does make for good reading that whilst Homeland Security has observed continued attempts by the Russians to interfere with the electoral process in 2018 and beyond, White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney warned Kirsten not to bring these plans up to the president himself. Mick believes as do we all, that Trump still sees public discussion of Russian interference as questioning the legitimacy of Trump's victory in 2016. Mulvaney apparently said it wasn't a great subject and should be kept below his level. Such constant roadblocks put up by Mulvaney and others eventually led Nielsen to give up on the meeting, despite the DHS's cybersecurity responsibilities. Ah, well, bless her, she tried. What a trooper. Thanks, cursed. No, 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 I won't hear it. We have to not say anything good about Kirsten Nielsen. She's a horrible, horrible person. (laughs) Meanwhile, (laughs) remember that weird poll we discussed in episode 18 where 2% of people said they'd never heard of Donald Trump? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a new one out, and it's a lot worse for Mike Pence. Turns out 12% of people are completely unaware of his existence, including 6% of people who identify themselves as Republicans and 11% of conservatives. Let's just take a moment and imagine how great it would be to be one of those people who'd never heard of Mike Pence. Oh, yeah. No, I can't cope with the level of stupid that inevitably comes with that. 
As a society, we probably collectively embrace Twitter's sterling efforts to algorithmically weed out ISIS and other terrorist postings on their platform and accept that in starving extremists of the oxygen of publicity, that might mean taking down some legitimate reporting from Al Jazeera and other genuine Arabic language organisations. Indeed, this view was expressed in an all-staff meeting by Twitter executives. But in the same meeting, Vice News reports one Twitter employee saying the site, and I quote, hasn't taken the same aggressive approach to white supremacist content because the collateral accounts that are impacted can, in some instances, be Republican politicians. Who knew? The employee argued that on a technical level, content from the Republican politicians could get swept up by algorithms aggressively removing white supremacist material banning politicians wouldn't be accepted by society as a trade-off for flagging all the white supremacist propaganda, he argued. Uh, which bit of society? The bit that has two accounts, tweets peevishly at 4am to over 100 million followers on pages that carry adverts, that part of society, is it? Yeah, I think if if your Twitter account is indistinguishable from white supremacy... yeah. Maybe then, there's a reason for that. Yeah, then you are a duck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com. And if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're pleased to say that we've had 25,000 downloads across the whole podcast world. Thank you very much for doing that. And you can show further support for our show on the Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patrons, Andrew Dredge, and Anne McKinley. Thanks for joining the gang, guys. You can also connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. And we'll also be putting on the show notes this week a link to the Genuine Chit Chat podcast, which we played a promo for earlier in the episode. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!